0: (laughs) where are you off to next do you have any time in london to do
1: actually i i've been (laughs) here for a while i've been here for a while and london is actually in my in my plans for future yeah i I can live here
0: really
1: yeah i'm moving to europe i'm moving to europe and i want there's a number of things that i want to do uh are different separate from my career that uh, the best places to do are here
0: let's talk about that that sounds amazing okay um do you know where you're gonna live in London? Uh, not yet. Can I we am, live in Holloway?
1: I am just uh, searching for a house these days. Are
0: you? Do yes. you have something now?
1: Yeah, I, I oh, am in the in the search. It's, fantastic!
0: This is the most expensive city in the world. It's ridiculous. Oh my god! It's ridiculous. <laughs> Sydney's pretty expensive, but uh, we'll get on to London real estate. Really delighted to be joined by Antonio Banderas on the Empire Podcast. Antonio, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. My pleasure. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants, Sponge out of water. Let's start with that. Oh I god. was not. I don't have kids. I wasn't versed in the mythos of Spongebob, but I, as soon as you open this film, your character, you play Burgerbeard, he's a pirate, he has an agenda, Uh as pirates do, and (laughs) as soon as I saw you, I knew I was going to have fun. I mean, you seem to be having the best time ever.
1: Making this movie. I, 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 Well, yes, I did have the best time when I was um, in that period of time that goes from action to cut. But the rest of the time was quite miserable because I have to wear this long beard and mm. a long wig. And I was in Savannah, Georgia, which don't take me wrong. I mean, the place is unbelievably beautiful, but it's, it's warm and it's very humid. <laughs> 12 yeah. hours with that thing on my face like a, a bear attacked me in the morning and <laughs> i couldn't get
0: rid of it <laughs> you, Yeah, you had well, to take it off every day reapply or did you sleep in it no 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 no. no 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 i had uh, you know i uh, have to take them out
1: and all this hair uh, and the glue yeah. couldn't you know it would have been uh, uh, really a problem of uh, getting on a hospital because really? it's very toxic, you Is know. It? Yeah, the glue that they use, they have uh, ether or ether, yeah. and it has also a lot of alcohol, so it irritates your skin very much. And so at the end of the day, I spend like an hour in the makeup trailer just trying to get rid of all of those uh, components, you know, this, this glue. And, uh, but it, it was impossible. Really? I went back to my, my room at the hotel and then I had to shave the glue off. I, I could see these little balls coming out of my face. So after three days, you may imagine when you get at six o'clock in the morning in the makeup trailer, start applying the glue again with the alcohol. <laughs> I was screaming there. Okay. All
0: right. <laughs> but anyway, I should you, <laughs> <laughs> you seem to be having fun. You seem to be having fun. I had fun watching you. You obviously have a range of, this is a completely off topic question. You have a range of, uh, of Antonio Banderas fragrances, yes. potentially it's time for an Antonio Banderas moisturizer, a <laughs> <laughs> post-beard balm, perhaps. Maybe I should
1: talk to the company <laughs> to release a, a, some kind of invention just to remove beers.
0: <laughs> Was well, yeah, not a bad idea. Was on the subject. <laughs> blue Seduction perfume. Mm-hmm. Antonio Bender from the, one of your more recent p- scents. Yes, I'm a, I'm a single man. Is this gonna Is this gonna make all the difference for me out there? <laughs> Absolutely, it's you gonna know. change your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's, it's interesting that you you went there. I, I didn't know you were going. You were going, you know, to talk about that side of my life. But I've been involved with this company from Barcelona for 18 years now. I mean, uh, I, I think it's the longest involvement between a celebrity and, and a brand of perfumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I feel pretty comfortable in that world. I am learning very much about not only just uh, perfumes and fashion, but I am learning very much about business. And I want to continue. And I was talking to you before about the possibility to come to London, to live here now. Yes, please. And one of the reasons that I want to do that is because I, I want to become a clothing designer. Really? And here is the best school in the world. It's called St. Martin's University. Right. And they are fabulous. And so I've been in talks uh, with uh, them, and probably I'm going to move here to do that. At 54 years old, I want to just initiate a new thing. It doesn't mean that I'm going to stop acting or directing or producing, which I will continue, of course. Mm. You know, but uh, I want to do more things. I feel young still, (laughs) and I want to just get into different territories, so... Um, that that is not only a possibility, is
0: uh, very probable. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you're going to be a student again at yeah, 54. I'm going to be a student. I'm going to just so put the elbows on the table. Fantastic. And <laughs> you were talking about moving to London on a permanent basis, and I was saying perhaps Holloway Road. It's a student-y area. Uh-huh. There's a lot of bars and pubs. Right. Cheap pints. Can Dorms. You, <laughs> you don't have to live in a dorm if you don't want to. It's totally up to you. Um, but that's fantastic. I mean, you've done many, many things in your career, obviously, from 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 acting, yes. Um and you know directing obviously you've directed a couple of times yes your i guess your first exposure to directing was working with robert rodriguez wasn't it on desperado you helped him a little bit post-production is that fair? is that right
1: yeah but i already directed by that time the first time i directed was f- uh, a movie called crazy in alabama mm. um i directed there my ex-wife melanie and um, and it was a, a movie for Columbia pictures right that happened right when I finished the first Zorro that was in 1998 yes and then, and yes, with Robert Rodriguez, sometimes I mean uh, this guy is so busy that some of the of the uh, second units of the movie I I did the, the work for him, but 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 it's yeah. not my own creativity. He just right. told me, hey, "Can you help me with this?" Uh, yeah. He gave me, you know, an scheme of what he wanted to do, and I went and I did it. But it's not my own thing. And then I directed another movie in Spain. In the future, I see myself actually going behind the camera a little bit more and producing more. I would, I would like to, as an actor, to work less in in better productions Mm. and direct more and i'm writing a lot these days too so i the the two movies that i directed they were based uh, in books the third one has to be my own idea and so i have three or four scripts right now on the table i am writing more and researching for another one and so
0: i would like to do that to to take that leap Uh, will they be things that you that you star in as well do you think or purely direct
1: some of them probably, some of them no. Um, directing is uh, very complicated. Um, directing yourself, I suppose, is going to be an extra complication.
0: Yeah.
1: And you need somebody, uh, I need somebody <clears throat> that has the objectivity that you don't have when you are directing yeah. yes. uh, yourself um, from the outside. So it may happen at some point, I just uh, feel with enough uh, you know, skills and experience that I just... Can direct myself, but um, so far, what I am thinking now in my mind is just to direct other people.
0: Yes. It's just interested in some of your the way that you've constructed characters. Right. We 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 loved you in Expendables Three as Galgo. <laughs> I mean, the the best thing in the movie, um, this kind of <laughs> insecure but kind of brilliantly dangerous man. Yeah. Um, man. And I understand that you that you brought a lot of the comedy to that character that wasn't necessarily on the page initially.
1: Well, you know, sliced alone. Made a huge mistake the first day <laughs> that I went to the, to the say he said to me, uh, you can do whatever you want, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very dangerous because I did. <laughs> I basically changed the name of the character the first day and said, I don't like to be called matador. <laughs> it's just too Spanish. Come on. Yeah. Galgo. <laughs>
0: Galgo means? Uh,
1: it's a, it's a, um, a greyhound. Greyhound. dog. Yeah. And, uh, and so... <laughs> Um, from that moment on, I, I said to Sly, listen, uh, you may understand this as a very serious thing piece, but for me, it's comedy. Um, you know, it's, it's a comic book, what you're doing. It's, it's not the, the hard locker. It's not, uh, uh, you know, American sniper. It does based on reality in something that, like, but you are doing something that is fun. Yeah. And it's just choreographically action, you yeah. know, or action choreographed, whatever. Right. Uh, and, I, and in that, I can see myself inserted as a, as a comedian. I, I prefer to do that. And, uh, and because I have, I have a very strong accent, let me be the guy who talks the most yes. <laughs> in the movie. Just let me just go over, um, you know, my own capacities. <laughs> and, uh, and let me just talk and talk yeah. and talk to a point that you guys have to roll eyes, okay? <laughs> and he said to me, sure, whatever you want to do. And so I started just from there. And another character, I think, is going to be in number four, uh, <laughs> too. So I, he's kind of, I want to
0: see a movie with just, with just Galgo. I want to see, like, Galgo's backstory. And yeah, I don't I'm, often say that about a franchise. No, actually, there were talks. Uh,
1: we have a lot of problems, actually, with the Expendables, especially with the piracy. Uh, there were 17 mm. million downloads yeah. only in the United States. Uh, so the movie there performed roughly, you know. And uh, in the world, it was good. The movie made a final a number of 200 and something. I mean, yeah. it, it was fine, you know, mm-hmm. totally fine, more than fine. But, uh, but uh, you know, so they that thing in the United States, it cooled down a little bit all the expectations that they have um, at the time. And so I, I don't know what's going to happen. I know that it's going to be a TV show, and they want me to be there. They want Galgo to be the, the main character, <clears throat> but I don't know if, if I'm going to do that or not. I have to think about this because there are other things going on. There are other movies um, mm-hmm. that I'm very interested that go in a completely different direction. I I may play Pablo Picasso in a mm-hmm. production that uh, Carlos Aura, prominent Spanish director, is going to direct it with Vittorio Storaro doing the photography. Wow, really? Um <clears throat> Gwyneth Paltrow performing in Dora Mar. And, so uh, and so there are projects out there yeah. in front of my face that, that call my attention very much. I mean, Picasso was born in my hometown in Malaga, it has been an enormous figure in my life always. Um, he was born like a few streets, two be. blocks, two blocks, right? Two blocks. Every every day when I used to go to school, and I always saw that you know tag on the wall saying you know Pablo Picasso was born here in eighteen blah blah blah, and so and he left Malaga basically with the same age I left. Uh, so has, he has been always like a, that figure that I follow. Of course, I will never reach him. It's impossible. He was one of the biggest artists of the twentieth century, but um, to play him. In a way, uh, it's a big responsibility, mm. especially because everybody in my hometown is going to put a magnifying glass in whatever I do mm. with that character. But uh, but I think uh, you know I am ready to assume that responsibility. You, uh, and, I think so, and go for it. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful uh, story. It's Just the story of the yeah. thirty days in which he painted the Guernica. That was in for the Universal Exposition of Paris, nineteen thirty-seven. Right in the middle of the civil war in Spain. So it's the story of a man with a lot of tribulations, artistic tribulations, um, personal. uh, At that time, he was... uh, Having several relationships going on at the same time uh, as a good Malagueño, <laughs> 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 and uh, but, <laughs> and uh, and also uh, politics, the war, yeah. and everything that was happening in Spain, you know. So it, it's a it's a beautiful piece in which actually the Guernica can, can be used almost like a movie screen in which we are going to have the possibility to just jump into that canvas and see, you know, the brain of this genius. Um, so I, I would love to do that. Carlos Aura is is a, is a man. That, Represents practically everything in the Spanish cinematography. He has 83 years in perfect condition. I mean, I would I would like to sign now a paper to arrive to 83 years old in the condition
0: that he is is brilliant, physically perfect, and uh, so I would like to work with him again. You know? Yes. It's just amazing that you can be talking about Galgo and then maybe playing Picasso in the same breath. <laughs> I think that's the joy, that's a I guess. That's the story of my life. The joy of yeah.
1: That's the story of my life. You know, walking in New York and, and seeing that in a movie theater it was Puss in Boots and two meters was the skin I live in. Yeah. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's my career right there. Yeah. You
0: know? It's, a, it's a, um, a fabulous movie, The Skin I Live In um yes, and i mean yeah. again you, you're talking about creating a character i, I know that that um pedro amadova asked you to kind of rein back in your acting instincts and just and just mm. play it down a little bit um it's a film that that's confronting in some ways um i know the skin the um the films that it was kind of it riffs on the hitchcockian stuff was in its time as well but i wondered if what's the most kind of extreme reaction you've had to to that film have people come up to you and said, "Oh my god," it's, um-
1: Different animal, but everything that Pedro Almodovar does is a different animal. Pedro Almodovar broke the rules of the game um, of cinematography in Spain in the 80s, and uh, so he travels Mm. also always with that. He doesn't like to use something that has been used already. Yes. And so he, uh, even with the actors, you know, he destroys you (laughs) during the rehearsal period to um, build you, a new you. And that's very painful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Working with Pedro Almodovar is is very complicated, uh, but you have to understand that there is an end
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> to to this. But yeah, he didn't just take the rag out of your feet. He prefers for you to be a new you. And that makes you feel very uncomfortable because normally the tendency that we actors have is just to hang on things that already worked mm. for people. And uh, but then you are doing a repetition of yourself all the time. And I mean it can be commercially perfect, you know, because that's what your mm. audience, in, you know, your yes. audience is looking from you. But uh, Pedro then uh, there's a go. <laughs> and so it was, uh, but it was, yes, it was a great uh, uh, kind of new invention. I remember still the, the reactions in film festival. I remember in Canada, the people, uh, in the moment that I performed that operation on the kid, um, Transforming into a woman, he asked me, "What, what did you do to me?" I still with the anesthesia in his brain, and I say, vaginoplastic. You know <gasps> and the whole entire theater went like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> so people were very surprised about not not just the um, the content of the movie, but the forming, which is expressed cold distant, yeah. uh, different to other Pedro Almodovars too, so he deconstructs himself while, when he's doing these things. And yes, that it has something to do with Hitchcock, but Hitchcock got that type of approach also to his movies. Um, he got a certain coldness yes. in it, and it was very interesting. Um, and he created also his own universe. It doesn't look like anybody else he's. Yeah. Hiscock is hiscock, like Luis Muñuel is Luis Muñuel or John Huston is John Huston. Those guys that have personality that they are not uh, standard directors, they are directors with tremendous personality that, and, and you see a couple
0: of shots of some of those movies of these guys, and immediately you recognize yeah. them you came through um obviously with Pedro discovered you initially and you came through a time when when the censorship had lifted in in Spain, and there was right. an amazing outf- outpouring of creativity. In cinema there, and then you went to Hollywood, um, and you found your way into the Mambo Kings, and then House of Spirits, and then Philadelphia, and that, at that time, and, and you kind of almost fell into it. And I wondered, like, if you were to repeat that journey now, right. the way that Hollywood's changed and the way that you've seen it change, how, how different would it be? Would you need to find a franchise to be involved in? Would you need a superhero to, to attach yourself to? Do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know even how things
1: happen at the time. I, I suppose that I am the result of something bigger than movies. In, in my career in America has to do with something bigger than movies. It has to do with, you know, big waves of immigration, uh, immigrants coming from South America, from countries like Mexico, Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, looking for a better life, uh, escaping from politics, social... Uh, injustice and many different problems, economics. And they went to the United States and they work very hard for their kids to go and do university. And those kids came out of the universities and started just going to positions that were different than the ones that their fathers had. You know? So they are architects and doctors and now they're in the Supreme Court. And that that thing has to have a, a reflection in Hollywood. Mm. And I think I arrived at that particular time in which the Spanish community in the United States was taking a step ahead socially. And, uh, and they become a big market <laughs> among other things. Yeah. And so Hollywood saw that, and I arrived right there in that moment. Uh, and <clears throat> because I remember when I did the Mambo Kings, some of them, uh, my fellow actors that were working with me at the time, they said to me, if you're going to stay here in America, you're going to play bad guys, because that's what we do. You know, Spanish actors play bad guy like black guys play bad guys too <laughs> yeah and that uh, changed one day i remember just doing Zorro that i was just there in my chair just waiting for a take and uh, and i saw the bad guy in mm-hmm. the movie and he was blonde he had blue eyes he got a perfect uh, american accent and he was called capital love and i was the guy with the accent <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and with dark skin and he was the hero of the movie so things start changing and changing little by little even in boots yeah. In that character. Yeah. It's important that he has an accent and the bad guys don't. Why? Because it's for kids. And in the mind of kids, they're taking away that idea that a guy with an accent is supposed to be the bad guy. And you can be the hero too. So it's expanding, you know, the understanding of how we see other people yes. in the world. Yes. And um, so I think I, <clears throat> I arrived at that particular timing with those things were changing. Now, imagine, I mean, look at the Oscars this year. He uh, neto uh, took three Oscars on the road, and uh, and that and now it's not necessary actually that uh, an Spanish director direct a, a movie that has to be of a Spanish uh, culture. Mm. No, uh, Alfonso Cuarón directed Gravity. Mm. The, uh, what Gravity has to do with the Spanish community? Nothing. <laughs> it's just a sp- movie about the space uh, station, International Space Station. So, and it's Andy Bullock and. Uh, so uh, you know th- 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 th-
0: that should be the normality yeah and it's becoming the normality yeah, yeah. A more globalized yeah globalized Hollywood um English people make good bad guys these days though <laughs> maybe one day we can dream that we English will not be will not be typecast <laughs> but you know why
1: uh, do you know why because the bad characters are normally more complex and more difficult than the bad guys and British actors are very good yes. let me tell you yes uh, they are Known for their quality, they're most of them coming from theater. They got a commitment with the audience. They, you know, they're very well trained, prepared actors. I'm telling you that because I work with a lot of British mm. actors, and I love working with British actors. It's a pleasure. You've
0: worked with Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter, obviously, and, and, and Anthony Hopkins, and Catherine C. the Jones, and Catherine C. the Jones, yes, and, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Zorro. I understand. This is a bit of trivia. I'm not sure if it's true or not. <laughs> um, But Martin Campbell, the director, said that you were described as grumpy Bob on the set of Zorro because you were such a perfectionist with your sword fighting that you were very, I don't know if grumpy is fair, but just very, very focused on getting it all absolutely right. Is that true? Is that something you've heard before? Uh, People called you grumpy Bob?
1: (laughs) Probably he did. (laughs) Probably I didn't know what that means at the time. (laughs) But... uh... Yeah, well, Martin is is like a general. He goes to the set knowing that he got a lot of people in front of him and he's kind of an army in front of him. So he goes there with a feeling. Mm. Um, And uh, it's true. There are a thousand people with three different units and a lot of things going on at the same time. So he got to be very strong just to um, make himself, you know, um, respected, <laughs> you. Does, so, yeah, yeah. Probably he called me that and many other things. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: what did you call him? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Something in Spanish. He <laughs> couldn't understand me. <laughs> um, the sword. I mentioned the sword fighting because there is some sword fighting in yeah. in, in in SpongeBob, which I have to get back to you. Um, I wanted to ask you: Was it was your daughter Stella? Was she a fan of of SpongeBob? Did she get you into it in the first place, or have you come to it recently?
1: Yes, I mean I've seen her uh, seeing that, but. Um, My my daughter, Stella, uh, has been very much, believe it or not, but this is true, not so much into television. Okay. She has been a girl that um, got into books very, very early, Mm. and she became a compulsive reader. She loved that type of universes, and uh, she's going to university next year. And so I don't know if she's going to do literature, but I think it's going to be something close to that. It's going to be around uh, that type of, uh, you okay. know, approach to arts, more than the camera. And uh, <clears throat> she's a very, you know, different girl, if yeah. I if compare her with other um, girls of uh, her generation.
0: So you're both going to be students at exactly the same time. That's right. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, you, you, I assume she's seen a bunch of your movies. Did you have to explain the catnip joke in Shrek <laughs> to her at any point? The yes, I did. The bit, you did, did you? How did yeah, you explain it, that? But I did it years later. Oh, okay, you had <laughs> well, to wait. Actually,
1: until... did explain it. She came to me and says, "I saw that uh, in, in the movie again, and that's what it means." And I said, um, "Yeah, but only for adults, you know, because it's not explicit. You can understand whatever you want." you know he's just a bag <laughs> and that's it um but
0: you know he just plays in both ways uh, yeah you know it's just a bag of innocent powder <laughs> I mean, what, could it, <laughs> right. what could be wrong with that and um, there's talk of another Puss in Boots movie um, the first one was a big big success people right. love the character yeah. and talk of him going further uh, Puss in Boots to 9 lives and 40 thieves yeah sounds like a lot of characters um where is he going to go
1: well, we are. Uh, they are restructuring now the script. Right. Uh, we started, but but that's the process. You know, the process with these movies is, is way longer than the people think, and a lot of people in, 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 uh, got a participation in the creation of um, the script and the story and the narrative process mm-hmm. and everything. And they include you. Yeah. True, they take you to San Jose, California. They sit you there with the creators. They make you read the script with them. You give them your ideas, and a couple of months later, you receive a news in which everything has been touched. You know. Uh, so that we are in that process. We did a, a session uh, months ago. They are now uh, restructuring everything, and probably by the end of the year we're going to start just uh, laying down the, the tracks, the, the, the new recording. It's going to take a while. It's going to take probably a couple of years just yes, to get um, the movie done. And and I heard some rumors also that Shrek may be coming. Uh,
0: really? Well, he might perhaps. cameo in. He might cameo in Prison Boots too. That would be great. Nine That'd... Lives and Forty Thieves. That would be great. And an ogre. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is Pushing Boots going to take, take well to Trek Shrek doing a cameo in my movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we we'll like that. It's politics. I, I have to let you go soon, unfortunately, because it's been a real pleasure, but I've got a couple more quick questions. One one more on SpongeBob, which is, as I say, colossally fun. Um, your character's Burger Beard. He has his own, it turns out, he has his own kind of pirate galleon stroke food van. <laughs> right. Now, I know you're a very keen gastronome cook what would you serve in an antonio banderas or antonio vanderas if you will i would serve a very uh, pirated paella pirate paella really <laughs> yeah from
1: spain uh, yeah absolutely black rice <laughs> oh, is that the secret
0: to a good paella black
1: uh, rice yeah yeah black rice or something like that i never knew what the Krabby Patty or the Patty Krabby was (laughs) really I just went around asking for the formula to the creators of uh, Spongebob but they never told me (laughs) there is actually such a thing no I don't think it exists (laughs) (laughs) no it doesn't no it has been a lot of fun actually you know the whole entire process to understand actually all the surreal side of this Fantastic, phenomenal character that is now part of the not only American pop culture but um, the world pop culture. Yeah. is a, is a incredible. Um, and, and just in in the f- the premise of the main character, the fact that he is a sponge <laughs> makes you think something that is very beautiful for kids, yeah. And that is that anything is possible. And um, so that's the universe that
0: SpongeBob is opening the mind of everybody. Yeah, anything is possible. And if you're going back to university now. And it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. you very welcome.